How to fail and how to succeed. Sometimes the sun shines cold, but it always shines bright. Sometimes the light seems to fall heavy upon us, and we don't like what it shows. But what the light reveals is always worth knowing. From the sight of failure and the knowledge of failure can come triumph. It is a paradoxical matter of fact that one of William Wordsworth's most notable achievements, the two-part prelude, 1799, the first version of his poetic autobiography of his youth, the poem on his own life as he called it, was born out of a profound sense of loss and professional failure. In Germany, in winter, in 1799, in a time so cold, Wordsworth described it as the coldest winter of the century. The poet and his sister Dorothy were holed up in a first-floor flat in the town of Goslar. He had come to Saxony to learn German and to work on the epic poem The Recluse, a work which his friend S.T. Coleridge was convinced would be the most important long philosophical poem since Milton's Paradise Lost, 1667. Wordsworth, however, was failing. Though he had previously had facility in both French and Italian, alongside the classical languages he studied at school, his knowledge of German was not up to much. The local tradesmen, he thought, were out to cheat him and Dorothy of their hard-earned cash, and some in the town thought that his sister was no more than his mistress. But, and much more importantly, he was failing in his poetical mission. The recluse was proving more than reclusive. Wordsworth's great poem had stalled, and it was never completed in the fifty years that he had left to him. Wordsworth bemoaned his fate. Was it for this lamentable failure that he had such a promising childhood, surrounding as he was by the beauties of nature? Such a childhood was the ideal for a poet, he thought. So how it had come to this cold ignominy in icy Germany. Disconsolate, the poet picked up a notebook and began to write. Was it for this that one, the fairest of all rivers, loved to blend his murmurs with my nurse's song? And from his alder shades and rocky falls, and from his fords and shallows, sent a voice that flowed along my dreams. For this didst thou, O Derwent, travelling over the green plains near my sweet birthplace, didst thou, beauteous stream, make ceaseless music through the night and day. The prelude is a poem born out of personal defeat and a sense of failure. Out of failure came triumph, in the birth of one of his most notable achievements. Wordsworth was indeed on the brink of something in Germany. He just did not know what it was or indeed understand its nature. We can learn from our failures, make them things of utility. Rather than negatively enduring and forming a dead weight upon your mind, the memory of failure, recollected in tranquility, to borrow Wordsworth's great phrase, can teach us great lessons. There is no use pretending that human life does not involve failure. It always does, and it always will.
More important is how we learn to deal with them. It is plainly difficult to cherish failure, but foolish not to learn from your mistakes, even from other people's. Wordsworth's great poem came, almost unknowingly, from a sense of failure. That failure inspired him to something new, something, in the end, triumphant. Just because you fail at something does not make you a failure. We succeed via failure. How else do we succeed? The old 19th century adage, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again, has endured because it has truth in it. Wordsworth drew his success from his failure, and so can we. No matter how good we are at anything, we all need the patience to get better, to succeed. And that involves failure. William Wordsworth from The Two-Part Prelude, 1799 Was it for this that one, the fairest of all rivers, loved to blend his murmurs with my nurse's song, and from his older shades and rocky falls, and from his fords and shallows, sent a voice that flowed along my dreams. For this didst thou, O Derwent, travelling over the green plains near my sweet birthplace, didst thou, beauteous stream, make ceaseless music through the night and day, which, with its steady cadence, tempering our human waywardness, composed my thoughts to more than infant softness, giving me, among the fretful dwellings of mankind, a knowledge, a dim earnest of the calm that nature breathes among the hills and groves. When, having left his mountains to the towers of Cockermouth, that beauteous river came, behind my father's house he passed, close by, along the margin of our terrace walk. He was a playmate whom we dearly loved. Oh, many a time have I, a five years child, a naked boy, in one delightful rill, a little mill-ray severed from his stream, made one long bathing of a summer's day, basked in the sun, and plunged and basked again, alternate all a summer's day, or coursed over the sandy fields, leaping through groves of yellow grunsel, or when crag and hill, the woods and distant Skiddaw's lofty height were bronzed with a deep radiance, stood alone beneath the sky, as if I had been born on Indian plains and from my mother's hut had run abroad in wantonness to sport a naked savage in the thunder shower. <laughs> 